Vera Podcast. Research matters. Over the last few weeks and months, the COVID-19 pandemic has transformed the way we live, work, research, teach and learn. This series explores the impact of the pandemic on our members and on the field of educational research. Welcome everyone. Uh, my name is Susanna Obralter. I am the SIG convener for England for teacher education and we are exploring a series of conversations in which we are looking at the impact of COVID-19 and considerations we need to make post-lockdown for teacher education and teachers. And this morning we have Dr Suzanne Coleshaw with us and she will explain her fantastic PhD and also then her expertise in the field in, in regards to well-being and I'm going to hand over to Suzanne to tell you more about what she does. Uh, thanks, Lizana. Good morning. Yes, I'm uh, Suzanne Coleshaw. I was lucky enough to do my doctorate at the University of Hertfordshire um, on a fully funded scholarship. And I explored what it means to be struggling as a teacher. And so when I'm talking about well-being, I'm, I'm framing it through the lens of struggling, um, because I would argue that uh, we don't talk about well-being when we're well. We talk about well-being in an absence of well-being. That's a really interesting point to make, Suzanne. So in the light of COVID-19, what do you feel might we need to consider to continue to, you know, think about well-being and what, what will impact teacher well-being moving forward post-lockdown? Yeah, so um, if I just kind of share a little bit the dimensions of struggling that I found in my research, because I think they are relevant uh, in terms of this conversation, because people will be struggling or are struggling right now. And so I'll start with the fact that I think it's a fractured state. And I think that's a really interesting image the idea of a fracture. Um, so if you fracture your leg, for example, it's not quite broken, but um, if you put any more pressure on it, if you don't rest it and let it heal, it might break. And I think that's possibly, you know, quite a useful image to, to hold right now. Um, but it's temporary. And so it is something that we can come through. And I think that offers some hope. I think we do need to kind of look at ourselves a little bit in terms of how we feel when we're not well or when we're struggling. So in terms of the embodied sensations and the emotions that are associated with with struggling. It is a is a situational experience. It's a relational experience. So it's also um, looking around us and, and noticing perhaps that other people are struggling and not just us as well. Uh, we also need to accept that people um, have a damaged self-view. And what I mean by that is that they um, don't think very positively about themselves and that can impact their performance. So I'll just finish by saying that struggling can often lead to decreased performance, not the other way around. I think lots of people think that you're performing badly and then the result is that you're struggling. Actually, I think we need to flip that coin and, and say, actually, struggling will lead to poorer performance. And so that's why we really need to look at the causes of struggling, the causes of ill-being rather than uh, well-being, if you like before we go forward. So I think it's about noticing that it's a fracture, notice, noticing that we're stuck, noticing that we're frozen and uh, and not just moving forward regardless. And so with that in mind and with that focus on struggling, what mm -hmm. considerations do you think or do you feel teacher educators and also schools need to make to support teachers post-lockdown? I think that's a really important question. Um, and what I would say is that um, struggling can often be a tipping point. And it, it almost doesn't matter what it was that caused the tip, because actually it's a cumulative effect. It's often that kind of that last drip, that last straw. And so I think it's it's not necessarily as important to look at what the factors were that caused it, but to take seriously the experience itself and to accept that for a short period of time, that is a fractured state. And so actually any of the 
kind of archetypal stereotypical measures that schools may be put in place like these so-called I'm going to do kind of air quotes now support packages I think we have to be very wary of those because they can appear quite mechanistic they don't feel they're not experienced necessarily as very personalized or very individual Mm -hmm. and one thing I would say is that any support that is going to be put in place for people who identify either as struggling or uh, or not coping I think that they are co-constructed as as leaders we often rush to find solutions and actually um, involving the person who's going through the experience is absolutely key it sounds so simple but I really think that agency that having a voice having a say in who supports you and what kind of support is available is really important especially at this stage that's really helpful. Thank you. Um, I, I think it sort of reminds me of research done by the CIPD as well as comments made by Mandy Coulter in her book, Arch- mm. Talent Architect, where she's highlighting that sometimes performance-related pay and also then mm. the capability procedures that we have doesn't always yep. impact positively and it needs to be more bespoke and specific yeah. to the individual. Well, I think that comes back to the fact that um, struggling as a word has been kind of situated or in the research has been situated in the field of capability and competence. And it has been yeah. equated with failing. Yeah. And and I found very much that struggling is, is not about failing. In fact, you know, you can struggle and still be a pretty good teacher. But the, the, the dimensions of struggling do impact on you. So... I feel very strongly that it's it's not about capability. It's not about competence. It's not about mm. being observed more and more and more and having to meet with a mentor every week uh, for an hour that takes away even more time. In, in fact, sometimes doing very little at all, apart from acknowledging the fact that the person you're working with is struggling. Sometimes that's all that's needed. It's temporary. It's a temporary fractured state. And because it's temporary, sometimes it, it can just resolve itself with time. So what, what I'm hearing is this one of the recommendations you make is, is to A, recognise that a person is struggling and B, giving them more time to, mm. to enable them to, to heal and, and to, to find their feet again. And I was wondering, are there any other thoughts in regards to recommendations, how we can help teachers to improve their mental health and well-being? Well, I think the language we use is really important. Um, I've I've shared something recently on Twitter about the language we use uh, around COVID-19 and going back to work. And I was a bit surprised, really, at the response it got, because it it talks kind of arguing not to talk about catch up. So the catch up narrative, I feel, is not particularly helpful. And and I shared Mm. it from a school that is looking very much at using language of consolidation, of deepening, of enhancing, of building on knowledge and not about catch up and lost time and everybody's falling behind. And and even the, the, the phrase recovery curriculum can be a little bit unhelpful, I think. And so I think the language we use is really important. I mean, I've argued that um, compassionate um, communication is really important and actually the culture the culture of the organizations um, that we're working in be they schools or universities where um, teacher education is is kind of taking place I think it's really important that, that the climate that you're in is one in which you feel you can receive kindness and compassion from others give it to yourself but also provide it to others I'm not saying we all need to go around saying I'm struggling I'm struggling but actually we we do need to surface it we do need to acknowledge it because I think what I found is that there's a lot of shame um, associated with struggling and uh, people tend to keep it hidden. And that already feels to me as if it's kind of internalized rather than being externalized. And so being vulnerable and being open is, is a difficult thing to do. But I think leaders um, have a big role to play in this in terms of modeling it. Absolutely. I, I, it just reminds me of, of the work of um, Brene Brown, who talks of having to be vulnerable, acknowledging your shame, being brave enough to enable you to move on 
and, and, and do great things and, and yeah. good leaders of make themselves vulnerable don't they yeah. we're not saying that people need to put everything on a plate and, and overshare we're, we're just acknowledging that it is an issue I, I like the focus on language use in particular and, and I agree with you um catching up and who are you catching up for you know what agendas are we driving with that exactly it's absolutely. I mean, you know, the, the narrative of, of marketization and outputs mm. and performativity is, is actually quite a violent language if we think about it. But, but depending on what makes, um, kind of what ticks leaders' boxes, if, if, if we address struggling, if we acknowledge that struggling is there and that actually uh, addressing struggling is going to help teachers improve their performance, we're talking about retention. We're talking about reducing absenteeism we're also talking about enhancing teachers quality of life and that's surely got to be a good thing we all benefit from that surely yes absolutely and and i like the fact that you're picking up on performativity um a lot of my students are, are really anxious about mm. that aspect of their work and, and they reflect on that and um, i think that there's a real heightened sense of the sense of urgency and performativity which again mm. in turn leads to then that sense of struggling not yeah. coping not catching up um even teachers feel they can't catch up and and that creates heightened tension and, and, and stress and angst from from just a, a lecturer supporting students i i tend to experience quite a bit and i, I was wondering if, if you had similar experiences yeah that i mean it, I, I am concerned. I'm, I've, I've worked this year with newly qualified teachers. Um, you know, I'm aware that um, people entering the profession right now, they've got their very specific anxieties mm. related to co the COVID-19 pandemic. And I think, yes, exactly. This narrative of uh, the, the feeling that they haven't been in a, in a proper classroom since March, for example, and that they feel they've missed out on a whole placement, uh, I can see is a real concern. So um, in terms of mentoring uh, newly qualified teachers and teachers coming into the profession um, in the next couple of years, I think is really important that, that we're there to support and yeah, and uh, I mean the language—it goes for children, it goes for for adults, doesn't yeah, it? This this whole narrative of of lost—you've lost out, you've you've missed out, you've fallen behind—it's yes. just it's just piling the pressure on, isn't it? It is, and I think that it's important that um, schools recognise that initial teacher training is just that—it's initial. It's the whole journey of a whole career Absolutely. that's important. Mm, well, I think that's important as well because we talk yeah. about meeting the standards, don't we, as if they're this finite kind of set of competencies that, you know, once you've yeah. done your training, you, you are a, um, the finished product. I, I absolutely agree with you. And I think, you know, talk about the early career framework and, and the role of mentoring to guide people as they learn, as they become teachers, um, I think is, is a really important, important um, exactly. uh, movement. Yeah. And also... To realise that we're all works in progress <laughs> and, and, you know, we're still becoming. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And well, we're okay. all human beings, aren't we? And so yeah. if you like, yes. And, if, if, and, and I mean, one thing I would say is that I think struggling is a universal phenomenon. So mm. I think it's something, you know, I, find me the person who's never struggled. Well, you know, th there isn't a human being on this earth who hasn't at some stage struggled. And so we, we need to find connection through our struggling in a way exactly. and accept that, you know, if I look into the eyes of another person, they will have struggled. And so uh, that that's where, for me, the coming comes in, because that person, you know, um, will come through this with the right kind of response. I was wondering, are there any other points that you want to share in this conversation with listeners by any chance? 
Um, I, I mean, I do feel very strongly that um, that well-being is is a bit of a buzzword, and I and I and I'm always a bit wary of of buzzwords in ed- in education because there's a, an element of faddishness to them. Uh, well-being is really important. I think. Um, it's really important that we that we're not tokenistic about well-being, um, especially now, because I think people are busy enough. Their their headspace is overfilled enough, and kind of mandating well-being in terms of you know I know there's a lot of talk on Twitter about you know yoga and cake in the in the staff room. Yes. I'm not saying don't offer those. I'm just saying don't mandate them. Yeah. Don't mandate. Them. Get yeah, to know you to go deeper than that. Yes, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. We, well, we need to know each other. I mean, I think mm. it sounds really basic to say get to know the teachers that you work with, but actually we do need to find those connections on a human level because it's then that we pick up on, hang on a minute, I haven't seen Suzanne in the staff room for a few days. I wonder if she's okay. I'm just going to go and mm. check in on her. That's just a human response, isn't it? But you only do that exactly. if, you're, if your head is up and your eyes are looking around. And, and when you're struggling, that's quite difficult because it's quite inward looking. And so, you know, it's the responsibility of all of us to, to keep our head up and our eyes open uh, to what's going on around us. Completely. And I think with that then comes the, the point that, that leaders themselves need to look after their own well-being. Absolutely. Otherwise they won't be able to do yeah. that. Yeah, and and there's a role I think for governors there, isn't there? And I know that's something you're particularly interested in. Yes, but but that's been really insightful. Thank you so much for talking. Oh, you're to very us welcome. Thanks, Lizana, for this opportunity. Thanks for listening to the Bureau podcast. For the latest news on Bureau events and activities, visit www.bureau.ac.uk.